uh, where and when were each of you born? I was born in San Francisco in 1954, July 6, 1954. So you're Cancer. I am. Gary? And I was born October 3rd, 1950, in Jersey City, New Jersey. So you're Libra. Libra, yes. Not the sensitive, nice combination, Libra and Cancer. And, and our, both of our rising signs are in um, Scorpio, and my um, moon is in Libra, and his sun is in Cancer. Ah, my rising is Cancer, my moon is Libra. <laughs> We're all connected. Yes, there you go. So how long have you been together as a couple? Together as a couple? 27 years. Married 24 years. Mm-hmm. And what I wanted to start by asking you, Adrian, as a therapist, you have seen many relationships through the years. And I wondered if you see any patterns in terms of what gets people in trouble. What are the kind of common mistakes, if you want to call them that, that people, that couples make? Probably, I mean, the biggest trouble the couples get into is lack of good communication skills. You know, people don't get what they want and they don't know how to communicate that to their partner. So what do you teach them? Active listening, your sounds like you're feeling da 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 because da da da. Um, yeah, I, I teach um, a variety of real basic um, skills, but reflective listening and, and just um, I do something called dyad communication with my couples, which is um, I'll have them pick an issue that's going on in their life, like maybe sex or whatever, and then they'll give a statement to each other, tell me what sex is. And so if you and I were partners, I would say to you, tell me what sex is. And then you would talk for five minutes about what sex is. And I, all I do is listen. You know, I keep my mouth shut. I don't, I don't nod my head. I don't, you know, do anything but just listen. And as I say, listen with an open heart and an open mind. Keep eye contact and just listen. And then after five minutes would go by, um, I would say thank you. And then you would say, do the same for me. Tell me what sex is. And I would do it. And, and so um, I, I would go back. I teach them that. And then they go home and practice it on their own. Along with I statements and reflective listening and that type of stuff. Well, with the dyad, is there any resolution? So let's say I say, well, I need to have sex every day. And you say, well, for me, sex is on special occasions. So how do we resolve that? Well, you know, it's amazing that the, the point is not to come up with a resolution, but by listening and offering that gift of listening and understanding, as I tell, as I tell my, my couples, um, it's not about thinking your partner's right or that you have to come up with an answer. In fact, I tell them when they're first learning this and, and learning reflective listening, if your partner in the middle of talking starts asking you questions, you just listen to them. You don't answer them <laughs> because 
you know, that's not your role right now. And so, you know, down the line, you know, you may need to come to some agreements, but by by communicating well, by listening well, it, it's it's about um, having goodwill for one another. And and when when couples start getting back, if they're in a bad place and they get bad, once you get them back to feeling good about their partner, um, and wanting to create goodwill, then they're more likely to want to come up with a solution. Well, you know, what can I do for you? What can we do here so both of us are happy? What can I do? What can we do that, you know, will make both of us feel better about whatever's going on? So it's just really getting goodwill back rather than, you know, you don't start with trying to problem you know, solve. Yeah, the, learning good communication skills is not about problem solving. Mm. Down the line, you can start problem, problem solving, but they have to learn to communicate well first. Mm-hmm. Can you turn the computer? Yeah, that's better. Great. Jerry, what about that? What have you seen with your friends who are couples over the years? What what do you see from a male point of view that um, inhibits their happiness as a couple? Well, uh, I, I I have a thing right now we're doing through the COVID where called the the coffee clutch, where it's like five of us gentlemen get together uh, on like a Wednesday morning. And we have coffee and we, you know, we, we gab basically. And we noticed that every one of us around the, co- the, the coffee clutch were in a long-term relationship. So there's five guys and s- some of these got one of these guys have been with his partner for 40 years. Another one for, uh, you know, that long or 35 years. So it, it was just something to uh, be with these 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 guys who were in kind of the same situation as me that in a long-term relationship and one of the things that came up is you know uh maintaining a friendship with your partner like you know uh trying to be friends and uh that that can break down you know uh for some people uh i i i you know Adrian and I, that, that that's one of the things that uh, became clear to me that the friendship is important as the marriage and nurturing that part of, you know, what we are, you know, and keeping that alive, you know. And um, I want to get back to the how you nurture, but what else do the men say about, I mean, how do you deal with boredom? And it's like Calvin Coolidge's wife said, why don't we have more sex? And he said, because they're like the rooster. And he said, well, there's a lot of different chickens, hens for that rooster to keep him interested. Did, did those, how, did, how did people resolve those kind of long-term issues? Oh, well, um, how do people? Or, well, how do what? or I'm wondering if, just starting with his men's group, and then we'll go into people. Yeah. Did you guys ever talk about that? No, no, we never really talked about... You never uh, talked about sex? Not to the point of, like, uh, no, no, I would say not particularly, other than in a fooling around way, you know, like, you know, in a men's group kind of way of, but not to the point of, like, how often do you have sex or, uh, you know, 
it's more the stories, you know, about our relationship or something like that, or, you know, crazy men kind of things that go on where, you know, uh, like who's the boss kind of thing, you know, like, uh, who's, you know, the, who's the boss in our relationship? You, the boss, I would say, yeah, <laughs> that I follow your lead most of the time, you know. Do you agree but, with that, Adrian? I do agree with that, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, the the main thing for me, the, the funny part was that, you know, uh, here I am with five gentlemen that I have known for, you know, 30 years and that each one of us have been with our partner for a long extended period of time and that these are all people that I'm copacetic with. So there's probably something to do with the people that I know that, you know, we they're loyal experience yeah you know, right so you a, you, you yeah. talked about nurturing a friendship how does one do that because i think most people do, don't think about how do i nurture my friendship they just like doing things together or talking or whatever but they don't think about nurturing it how how does one nurture it nurture. how do you nurture it uh by uh, trying to find interesting things for us to do through the years, be it uh, going to music festivals or, uh, you know, going on adventures together and wanting to spend uh, company with each other, you know, doing different things. But also, like, keeping it to the point in my mind of that... Uh, we're husband and wife, right? That That's one of the roles that we play. But for me, it's really important to remember that there's a friendship involved too. And that it's not a, this dependent thing because, you know, I, at one point I was there, like, you know, being really just dependent on a uh, husband and wife kind of thing. And, but, you know, remembering that, you know, the, the friendship is really what first brought us together, you know, wanting to uh, spend time with each other and, uh, you know, uh, so like that. Yeah, yeah, we, li we like each other. And so, you know, we want to do things together. And, you know, you just remember to keep your partner in mind because that's what you do with your friends. You know, you want to spend time with them and you are kind to them and you get them gifts and you think about them and you support them and just show up, you know, for your your husband or your wife, just like you would any friend that you have. The Some of the couples that I've interviewed who have long-term marriages are feeling like they've lost their sexual spark. It's like not so interesting anymore. Do you have any advice for them? Because they, they asked for what, what do we do about this? Yeah. Um, well, you know, um, I, I, there's two ways I can answer that because I can answer that um, as a, as a couple, like, as, you know, well, what did Jerry and I do? Or I, I can, you know, talk as a therapist and different, you know, ways that I, work with my clients on those issues because you have to really work with people and show up for them where they where they are right 
So, I mean, so for instance, in therapy, if I have a couple and they both want to, like maybe say the wife doesn't have any sexual, you know, much sexual desire or any, or it could be vice versa because it can be, you know, either one, but, um, and, but she wants to, she, she wants to have more libido. She, she would, she loves her husband and she would like to have more sex with him. Right. And, and he wants more and she wants more. So you kind of, you know, just start there. And generally it's, it goes back to communication because what I have found is that, um, in, in the sex department, one of the things that blocks intimacy is um, withholding information, you know, not telling the truth, not talking openly about what's important. And so over time, a lot of times couples, you know, don't don't talk about their desires or don't talk about what makes them angry or what they want that they're not getting. And so a lot of times it's just a, it comes back to communicate about what you want and, and even even like and talk about sex. Like I mentioned, the diet communication, right? You know, talk about sex. Tell your partner what you want. You know, telling your partner what you want doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get it. And it's not even asking your partner for what you want. It's just telling your partner what you want so they know what you want. <laughs> and getting back to that, again, that friendship and that goodwill and, and, and feeling good and, and starting there. And... You know, for us, you know, Jerry and I have been really open because um, we have been polyamorous. And so we've had other sexual lovers um, in our relationship. And so, but, you know, I think we've just, I mean, we've, we've just been not as adventurous now as we were, you know, before, earlier, in the earlier well, years. old people now. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I mean, the desire to be as adventurous and, you know, exploring in different ways, you know, that just kind of, I think, um, you know, the fire, you know, you, you have a, you have nice warm coals and stuff, you know, so you're still, there's still warmth there and it's interesting, but you don't maybe have this such a, a burning desire, you know, that's so, you know, strong in that arena. So, you know, for, uh, but we've always been really open you know, and, and willing, you know, to, to please each other and to, so we're matched really well, I think, you know, and how, how do you deal, how did you deal with jealousy when you were having sexual intimacy with other people? I mean, it seems so hard in terms of human nature not to be jealous. Yeah, yeah. Well, you are jealous. I mean, that's something you have to deal with. And, Just you deal know, with the jealousy You find itself. a way, you know, to, uh, you know, that fire that's in there and that that could be liberating as well as make you crazy. <laughs> so, you know... Uh, I mean, how did you learn to manage your, your, because I've had jealousy. I think you had a lot stronger jealousy than, than I did. But um, how did you learn to manage that? You'd like to be with it and feel it and learn to be okay with well, it. Well, one of the things was I, I read, uh, reading this uh, Pema Chotrin book called When Things Fall Apart. 
uh, it's it, to me it was just one of those touchstones mm. where you know it the thing of that you know when things fall apart uh, that there's always a new beginning that there's always so the point of the jealousy making you to a crazy point that you know just let that be you know let it be and try to you know uh find a way to deal with things instead of anger you know to turn it into some kind of liberating thing you know it it's it's a complicated thing for me to explain what went on for me uh did you have rules like we're going to do this together with, you know, with the other people will be in the same place or there's rules that you don't have a lot of communication with them outside of the bedroom. Are, are there framework? Well, you know, for us, we were into being friends with our lovers, you know, like family friends, you know, so they were people in our lives that we were both friends with and, and socialized with, but things would come up again. You have to communicate and you do have to have agreements like I remember when your one girlfriend started, she would text. She started texting. It'd be Saturday morning, and we'd be sleep. It would be our day to sleep in and cuddle and be in bed, and his phone would start going off because she would start texting like early in the morning. And it's like you need to tell her not to not to text early in the morning. You know, I do not want to get. And this, you know, would actually like wake me up. His phone going off. You know, right, and that kind of stuff. And so that was annoying, and I found it annoying. And he goes, yeah, that kind of annoys me, too. And so it would be just, you know, things like that. You just you just talk about it. You know, that doesn't work for me. That doesn't work well for me at all. How are we going to fix this, you know? And ask for what you want, and, and, you know, you may get it or you may not. But, again, it's like telling your partner what, what you want, and when there's goodwill there, and when there's love there, um, no relationship, you get exactly what you want from your partner. But in a good relationship, I think most of the time you're wanting to please your partner and take care of their heart and make sure they're happy. Did you start out your relationship with an open relationship or did it? was there a period when you went into it or how, how has it developed in terms of your own relationship? Well, when we were getting married, uh, Adrian basically, basically said that she didn't want to be monogamous. You know, that we were going into this with, you know, that kind of openness. You know, and it didn't happen right at first. You know, because we were like uh, new relationship energy, whatever you want to, you know, that term, that, you know, that, that bonding thing being really tight. You know, but then all of a sudden things uh morphed into something else you know it just kind of happened it wasn't like you know i think we i think we talked really openly from the very beginning when we first got together about being really open and actually not being monogamous but we were we fell so deeply in love and we're so enamored with each other and like like jerry said that new relationship energy theoretically it was all theoretical because we weren't really interested in being with anyone else because we were just you know so into each other 
But then when we were going to get married, I do remember when that came up for me, it was like, what does this mean now if we get married? Like, I, I don't. I, I don't like the idea of like never having another lover, you know, like it, this means that we don't have to be monogamous, right? Just because we're getting married. And, and so when we first, so then when we've been together long enough that we, you know, were more interested in having experiences with other people, we did start out just by doing, um, uh, uh, exploring together. Right. Yeah. So we, we mean we'd explore together and have sexual experiences with other people together. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Um, when you first met, was it love at first sight, or how did you first meet each other? Well, for me, uh, <laughs> I was uh, still married at the time, working at the recycling center where I worked. And uh, Adrian came in one day and I was all about giving her personal service and, you know, <laughs> you kind of thing. And then I uh, didn't see her for a, a while. You know, you had moved back into town around in the 80s. 84, I moved back, yeah. Yeah, so, I, did, I you know, you were not part of my, my crowd, basically. Uh, you know, one thing led to another. But then it came down to uh, I had broken up with my wife at the time, and I was playing a gig with uh, one of the bands that I was in, and Adrian was there dancing around, and it's like, oh, there she is. <laughs> it's that 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 same woman. So I went up to her and said, you know, you want to go out? <laughs> I, well, I don't know if you said yes or... You asked me for my phone number. Oh, asked for your phone number. Yeah, yeah. And you gave it to me. And I gave it to you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. then, you know, I called and we dated for the first time. And it was at that point where it was like, I was pretty much enamored, you know. But I wouldn't say like, it was like love at first sight. It was like, wow, this person is exciting. Attraction at first sight. Yeah, attraction. Yeah. 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 What what did you think when you recycled with Jerry? <laughs> well, you know, I was in a bit of a different situation. I mean, I was very much attracted to him from the get-go also. Um, but but I was in love with someone else. I mean, I had I was in a long-term relationship. It's kind of funny because I was in a relationship with my youngest son's father and we'd been together, I don't know, 8 years at, at the time or 10 years, I don't remember exactly, but um, it was, I mean, the only thing that relationship really had going for it was the fact that we had great sex and a child together. But, That's but it wasn't, so powerful. Yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't a good relationship. And I had actually, the night I went out dancing, when Jerry asked me out, I had been going through, you know, separating from him, trying to separate from him. And I had been, and we had been in a monogamous relationship, and I had told him, I'm not going to be monogamous with you anymore. And we didn't live together, you know. He always kind of kept his distance from me to a certain extent. And, um, but we'd been trying to kind of break up, or and I'd been trying to break up with him. And 
Um, I spent that night crying all night long out on the couch in my apartment and just crying. And when I stood up in the morning, I just felt like my heart just kind of dropped into my stomach. It was this real visceral feeling. And it was like, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with that relationship. And, and you know, you have those moments of clarity where, you know, you're really done. And I was, but you still aren't really done. You know, you, you still keep doing, but anyway, but I had this idea that I was going to be single because I had never been single in my life. I mean, since I was 16 years old, I have never not been in a relationship. So I really planned on being, you know, a single woman for, you know, a while. And I really wanted that. That's what I thought I wanted. Um, but I went out dancing that night and Jerry asked me out. So <laughs> <laughs> I really wasn't ever a single woman, but I was still caught up in that relationship. And I, you know, and so, of course, when he saw me going out with Jerry and all of this, he started showing up for me in a way that I'd always wanted to him to all those years. And he wanted to be with me and and, you know, and so I was kind of going back and forth. At one point, I told you I was going to try to make it work, you know, with him. I told Jerry that. and But we were already hooked on each other. So, you know, so, yeah, I think I think we fell in love pretty, pretty quickly. Um, people say that we tend to repeat our parents pattern or do the opposite, but we kind of react to. Like ducks, we imprint on what we know as, as little ones. So, Jerry, how did your first wife reflect your growing up observation of your parents? Hmm. Well, I would say, you know, back in those days, uh, I probably jumped into things quicker than I actually knew who that person was. That, you know, uh, and then to, uh, you know, I'm trying to like put a, when I first got together with her, I was seeing three different people. And she got pregnant and I was looking at that point to, you know, like get out of that thing that I was in, all of that and be with a person. So we decided to have, you know, the baby and then we got married a few years after that, you know, so You know, it wasn't a really mature decision. I wasn't making very mature decisions until I met Adrian. <laughs> Three well, kids in. Well, was your relationship with Jackie, though, was it related to your parents in any way that you could? <laughs> that I wanted to be a parent. I mean, that was one of the things that, you know, I, w I was 25 years old and it just seemed like it was time for me to, you know, if I was going to be a parent that, and she was willing to be a parent with me. So that was kind of the, you know, the, uh, the impetus for that relationship, you know, 
And I guess that's it, that she wanted to be a parent. So we had three children together and, you know, but then, you know, that whole thing frayed apart due to many, many different circumstances, you know, that, that happened. And it turned out to be what it was definitely the, that thing where as time moved on, we went in different directions, you know, we went in different directions and, uh, I needed to get out of that relationship, you know, and I didn't know how it was going to happen until she left me. <laughs> that made it easy. <laughs> I, you know, and it was a drug fueled, you know, I mean, this was back in the, the mid eighties and a lot of drugs were involved and, you know, it was, it was not a healthy, it turned into a really unhealthy situation for my children and everything else. And, you know, so any relation to my parents through that, you know, my mom was a real straight arrow and my, my dad died when I was 15. So I didn't really even know my dad, you know, except for when I was young, you know, and my mother was so straight, you know, uh, did she remarry? She remarried. Yeah. To a, you know, Italian gentleman, you know, a, another Italian gentleman. <laughs> You know, Mr. Benny Fusco, Benito Fusco, you know, up in Schenectady. So, but my mother would, you know, my mother was a pistol. You know, she was like, I, I had to move 3,000 miles away to get along with my mother. <laughs> she loved me dearly when I was gone. <laughs> <laughs> so what you learned from your first marriage is to be more thoughtful and not to have not to rely on drugs <laughs> exactly yeah adrian kind of saved me from the lifestyle that i was into i was looking to get out of it somewhere well you were already out of it yeah. but not for not for a long time not for very long no and then, i had changed what i wanted to do with my myself but you know adrian was like a life preserver in some ways to me like to, you know she went to uh, the Church of Religious Science, and it was just like something else for me to, uh, you know, and my ex-wife would call her goody two-shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's it. That's what I need in my life right now is, you know, someone to, you know, uh, just the change. I need a change, you know. Would you... My would, life. You, would you call your mother goody two-shoes? My mother a goody two-shoes? Yes and no. Well, well, <laughs> I am so not like his mother, but she would be a goody two-shoes in some ways, I guess. Yeah, yeah. In, in her... I wasn't really a goody two-shoes. No. I just, his ex-wife just viewed me as one, although I really wasn't a goody two-shoes. No, no. But you weren't a druggie. I wasn't a druggie, no. no. <laughs> yeah. That's probably, you know, the main point of that. That know? was kind of the scene, right? Musicians did drugs and had lots of groupies. Was yep. the scene. Yep. And that was uh, the life I was living, you know, even through my that marriage, my first marriage, you know, that that, you know, we were on the road a lot with the band, you know, for months at a time and 
you know, all crazy stuff went on. Drugs and groupies, it's a dangerous combination. (laughs) And going from place to place, you know, all over the Western United States we traveled, you know. But I, I was sick of that life, you know. I was sick of, you know. Just a second, I'll be right back here. I'll be right back. Okay. Um, what, what about Adrian's parents? What do you know about them and how her first... Well, uh, her dad was, was, you know, had died by the time we got together. But her mom was very close to me. Mm. And, you know, one of the things she would always say to Adrian, you know, when something was wrong, to call Jerry, you know, that I would come in and, you know, I was like, if she needed her TV, you know, she couldn't get a certain, uh, her satellite work, you know, her cable working or, you know, different things that I would come in and fix them. And, you know, she was very kind to me, and generous. And, you know, her mom was a real nice lady. My mom was a goody two-shoes. Yeah. My mom was was really more, she was way more of a goody two shoes than your mom, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My mom definitely was a goody two shoes. So what what did you learn, or what did you repeat, or do the opposite of from your parents' relationship with your son's dad and Jerry? I was completely opposite of my mother, and I never knew my dad because my mother left my dad when she was pregnant with me. And he moved back to New York. I did meet him when I was 18 years old. But, um, so, excuse me. Um, so, you know, I, I never really knew about their relationship. I did have a stepdad for a while, you know, who was just a very abusive guy, and my mom left him too. But we were with him for, she was with him for maybe only four years, three or four years. Um, But um, my mother was very shy and very reserved, and she was a Christian and a very nice woman. um, And also, but really cared like what the neighbors thought. And... um, you know, I was, I was just a, I was like her, I always called myself her shadow child, right? Like we lived in a neighborhood, like over by In Motion Fitness in Chico on Karen Drive with a big picture window and, and I would like get out of the shower and I'd like walk through the house naked in front of the picture window and I didn't care who saw me or what, you know, and my mother would be mortified and she'd always be pulling the drapes shut and, you know, I'd be sunbathing topless in the backyard, you know, when I was a young teen. And, and so from from the very get-go, from the time I was a little girl, I was, my mother really struggled to, um, I mean, she loved me and I always knew she loved me, but my brother, you know, hid anything bad he did. And so she thought he was a goody two-shoes. And my little sister was like her mini-me. And so I was like this wild, I was a wild child. And my mother didn't really know what to do with me. And so um, I I see, 
no relation to any of my partners <laughs> with my with my mother, frankly. <laughs> Except that you picked partners who weren't conformists. Who weren't conformists. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But so opposite of her. Yeah. You yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, did you have kids together or the four you you had four that you raised? No, I had six and he had three, so we had nine. You had together. six? I yeah, six kids. With with different men or who were the I had my eldest had one father and the four in the middle had one father and then my youngest had one father. So I had three different dads. The two on the two ends were different and then all all the others the four in the middle were the same. So so we figured nine was enough. <laughs> you think? Yeah. Yeah. We did not need to have a baby together. We so we raised him. I mean his his eldest son, um um when he moved out, like they were living together, the two of them, and when we moved in together, he moved out onto it on his own. He was 18, and he moved out on his own when Jerry and I moved in together. But there was a while where, I mean, we had a lot of kids in the house, and then a couple of my kids ended up be going to Hawaii, where their dad lived and, and grew up their teenage years mostly, or at least one of them was there. And, but for a while, we had a whole bunch of them there. And then and then Jerry's oldest daughter, both of our, a couple of our girls that were home um, um, got pregnant and, and had babies at 16. And one of them moved out and got married. And one of them lived at home with us, with a grandbaby. Yeah, so we, we were doing crazy kid stuff. <laughs> for many years <laughs> we did not need another one <laughs> well you the the grandbaby was kind of like your baby well she lived with us for a year but I mean we, we didn't take care of her I mean her mama took care of her she was a grandbaby mm-hmm. but yeah she did actually become our baby really I mean because we've raised her a lot of her life and she is now the mother of two kids um, she's the eldest and we have two great grandbabies from her. Wow. So we have 17 grandchildren. Oh my goodness. So how did, I mean, that's a strain on a relationship to have that many children, just the demands of caring for everybody, not to say anything about the emotional triangles and whatever. So what, what got you through those years of parenting so many kids? A lot of yoga. <laughs> <laughs> Breathing exercises and you know, uh, trying to stay centered through the storm, you know, that would arrive at times, you know, uh, and, you know, the bond between the both of us and, you know, leaning on each other through uh, when things would get crazy, you know, which they did, you know, through the year, you know, through that period of time, we had six of them living in the house with us or something, you know, uh, the, the two girls sneaking out the window in the middle of the night and, you know, getting called by the police to go pick them up somewhere or, you know, uh, wrestling on the floor with, you know, the boys or, you know, it's like, 
But we always, you know, again, that there was this bond between the, the both of us that no matter what came up, you know, we tried to be there for each other, and, you know. And we loved each other's kids, you know. So, I mean, we we did not have, you know, issues like with blended families that a lot of people have. I mean, even though it was tough and it kind of drove us the crazy. The kids all got along with each other. Yeah, wow. the kids all, the yeah, kids all got along. They were like a gang. <laughs> well yeah yeah and his your kids jerry's kids were more mild-mannered than mine i'm i'm hearing a wild child theme here yeah yeah we have a lot of wild yeah my children were all wild children like they their mother wild, like their mother yep <laughs> yeah his kids were not his kids were very sweet actually <laughs> they were they were very so, I mean, Carol was, you know, uh, did. Carol yeah, was a little everything crazy. Everything she did was she, behind, she, behind yeah, your she back. Was, she was still very sweet. She just did a lot of shit behind your back. <laughs> but they were good and respectful, and you know, they didn't ever act out. Mine, mine acted out. Mm-hmm. How did you organize feeding them all? I mean, that's a lot of work just to feed and clothe and wash that many hungry mouths. Lots of big. Pots of, Jerry would cook lots of big pots of pasta. Yeah, I took over the, you know, like cooking for an army. I went yeah. back to grad school, so he became the cook. Yeah, she was going to San Francisco State in San Francisco and taking off, and then I'd be left alone. <laughs> <laughs> With Some, six kids, wow. Locked myself in, in the bedroom, and you know, by myself. <laughs> Well, until, we, until all hell broke loose, I and was, then I have to go out. I was never gone that long, really. Yeah, that's, that's just two but, hours. Really, but, but we did go, go to family therapy at one point. We drug all the kids in. We all went, and that was one of the things that we did some, um, was it Gestalt stuff? But they had the kids, like, and it was funny how like, several of the kids did this in drawings, and in, in, they that I can remember the therapist having the kids like place everyone, you know, like, like, like with little figures. Well, no, actually with us, they, they like, oh, like Virginia Satir. Yeah. 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 Exactly. With like Virginia Satir. And they would put Jerry like way off <laughs> because he would go and hide in the bedroom. And that was an issue for us in the early days. I remember I hadn't remembered that, but that was an issue because it would be like he'd cook dinner, you know, for everyone and then he'd disappear. And I would be out in the house with all the kids and he would be in the bedroom and and that became an issue. And he recognized it when it came up in therapy. And then we started talking about it. And, the, and then when the kids positioned him, like I'd be in the middle of everyone and he'd be way off to the side. It was like, ah, so he, he stopped hiding in the bedroom after that. Yeah. Yeah. It's my physical and mental health. Well, you're probably more introverted. I mean. I am an introvert person. Yeah. So the introverts need time alone. When shit would get to a certain level of gathering steam, then I would be called out of the bedroom (laughs) to be the enforcer. So then I said that I had to be you, you, and you, you know, and get Jersey, you know. Because he has that, even though he's such a mellow guy, he has that voice, you know, where he could be very Jersey-like and scary. Well, my son's friend used to be afraid of me because the way I talked. 
Like, what are you talking about? Forget about it. Hey, you know, they used to think I was like a mafia guy. <laughs> because that's what you knew from TV. You know, guys who talk like me, you know, they're dangerous. <laughs> did you give the kids chores? I mean, did they do dishes and clean and stuff? or because... They had chores and sometimes they would get done and sometimes they wouldn't. Right. You know, I mean, Angelina was about the only one who was really like, you know, she, would, always she would always do whatever was assigned to her, you know, yeah. because that's the kind of person that she was. Mm -hmm. But everybody else who was like, you know. Yeah, we just. And what were the consequences if you didn't do your chores or you came in too late or whatever the rule was? I don't even remember, do you? I, I, no, I don't remember. I remember that when we would go on trips that we would pay them so much. Well, we did that for one trip. Yeah, for and being... We had the best family vacation. And you paid them to be good? Well, what we did, yes, we paid them to be good. And and so the way, and I, so they, they were clued in exactly how it was going to work the, the, the night before. So we we're all going to leave in the morning. So this is going to start, um, we're going to wake you up at 6 o'clock in the morning because we want to be out the door by 8. So starting with 6 o'clock. You know, we're going to pay you a dollar an hour, each one of you, because, and, and then that's going to be your spending money on the trip. So don't ever, and so it, and so it was really smart because it was like, don't ever ask us to buy you anything. I mean, we're going to pay for the meals and we'll pay for the big ticket items, you know, if we're going here or there, but any souvenirs or any snacks or anything you want like that, that's, you're going to buy that yourself. So just buy whatever you want with your money. You know, you have to figure it out, which saved us from ever being, you know, how kids will beg for stuff. Yes. And, so, and so that was not, that didn't happen. That's a good idea. And so it was like, so, but every hour you're going to get paid a dollar. So I was stocked. I had dollar bills, you know, like I had, you know, I had it all there. So, so cause I wanted to reinforce it every hour. Here's your dollar. Here's your dollar. Here's your dollar. And so one of our wild kids, my son, Jaya, he was always the worst and the instigator. And I guess there was only three of them we took on this trip because it ended up, Shauna was pregnant at the time and she was going to come, but then she kind of started, she, she ended up staying, staying home, you know, and her midwife didn't want her to take the trip. And so she didn't, she didn't take the trip. So we had three of them. But we just thought, what are we doing? This is going to be miserable in the car with all these kids. We have to come up with a, with a plan. And so that next morning, it's like, so if you do anything at all, like, like here's the thing. If, you're, if your sibling starts annoying you or, or bugging you, don't fight with them. You, you, know, you can come to one of us and just say, hey, such and such is doing this. Can you help me out here? You know, if you need to do that. But if you fight and engage, you know, then you're not going to get your dollar. And if then I'll tell you, you've just lost your dollar. And then if you complain and fight about not getting your dollar, then you won't get it for the next hour. <laughs> right? And so we wake the kids up. We're going. My son, Jaya, starts being a pain. And, and I, and so... It's like, you know, you're not, you know, you've, you've, 
you and, and so anyway he was a pain and so then we, we got in the car actually we got in the car and that was the first time I had to pay him and I turned around and I gave I gave one of them a dollar and I gave the other one a dollar and I said to him you're not getting a dollar because you know you blah 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 and so you know then he threw a fit and I and I said well, you're not going to be getting the dollar the next time either, so just keep that in mind. And so then the second payment came out. Here's your dollar. Here's your dollar. Now those kids had two dollars, and he had nothing. And I just remember he rolled down the window, and he just put his face, and he just was so furious. But after that, and he, but he didn't say anything, and after that, none of them lost one dollar the whole or I think once when we were in Santa Cruz on the boardwalk, we let them run off and do stuff, and they were supposed to meet us back someplace, and they were late. And I think I took a dollar. We took a dollar from each of them when when they didn't make it back in time, and they were fine with it. They and and then from but that was the only time they lost any money. So yeah, that was <laughs> that was a huge success. And plus, they never bugged us. They never cried for anything. They, you know, some of them would spend their money. Angelina saved every penny till we got to San Francisco. And she bought some stuff she was wanting, like, right before we came home. And it was, we had a really, really good vacation, didn't we? I can't see if, where this is. But we had a very good family vacation. Yeah, that one worked really well. What have you done for the couple bonding over the years, like date night or trips alone, or how how have you nurtured the couple in the face of all those demands? Well, Jerry and I never have had to have a date night because we we're really good about having fun and doing what we want, you know. So. That was, I mean, we always did, we've always done a lot of that. So we never had to, like, make sure we scheduled it. Plus, you know, me playing gigs. So I'm always a party. You know, I'm always, like, at a party or going to a party or playing at a party or playing at a club or, you know, so for 50 years, that's what I've done, you know. This is the first time since March where, you know, it's all just died, you know. But so, and I don't really, I don't really go to his gigs so much anymore. But when we were young and in love, we 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 did that a lot, even with all the kids and stuff like that. I mean, we just we, I mean, we were like we had found love. We were, you know, in our forties. I, I was thirty nine when we met, and Jerry was forty three, and we weren't gonna let that pass us by, you know. So. And at the time, and he was always having gigs, and there were always parties, and our friends were always there. So that was a lot of our social stuff. You know, even if he was on stage, I would be visiting with all my friends, and he'd be on stage, and we'd be hanging out during his breaks. And then after the gig, you know, we would be doing doing stuff. And so there was always, you know, stuff going on for us. It, it was never an issue to... To, to not be bored. So what, what, what were the areas of, of conflict then over the years, and how did you resolve it? What's, what was an area of conflict that you think we've had over the years? 
can think of one. Well, let, let me hear your conflict. And, you tell me. No, I'll, I need to hear from you first. Chores. We'll work around the Yeah, house. okay. What were you going to say? Yeah, that works for me. I mean, you know, that I'm a lazy person, <laughs> basically. And, you know, I mean, I've gotten better since we have, you know, I never wanted to, like, own a house because, you know, an apartment or, you know, a rental or something. I didn't have to be responsible for fixing this or fixing that, you know, because I'm not really kind of a fix-it guy. I'm an artist, I like to say, you know. <laughs> I'm a musician. He so, did not know how to use a shovel when we got together. Literally, the man did not know how to wow. like use a shovel. I could use a shovel. You could not. I only hit myself in the head with it. That's all. <laughs> yeah. I did ask him to dig a hole for me once. Like, like this is real. Does this story embarrass you? No. <laughs> I did ask him to dig a hole for me, and then I walked off, and then I turned around, and I was watching him for a while, and it's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm digging a hole, and it's like... He didn't put his foot on the shovel, huh? He did not put his foot on the uh, shovel. He did not know how to do that. <laughs> New Jersey, I guess you don't dig holes. <laughs> no, you don't have, we don't have dirt in New Jersey. New Jersey Just, City, anyway. It was pretty concrete. funny. That was pretty funny, watching that. But, but, I, but I think... I mean, Gary is, I mean, it's great. I mean, we have two Airbnbs now and I mean, he, he's still the cook, you know, he cooks for me. He takes care of me, makes my coffee in the morning. He keeps the kitchen clean. He, you know, works in the Airbnb. I think it's like, um, it, it was, I think it was just like giving you your jobs, right? Like, <laughs> You know, so he knew what he needed to do, so there'd be jobs to do, so he just knew what was his, and then he, he just does it. I don't think you often, and I'm, it's not like I'm a clean freak, because I'm a complete slob, too. I mean, I'm a slob, you're, I'm more of a slob than you are, really, but... We but, get along that way, that, you know, that, you know, that she's a slob, <laughs> that... It, you know, it reflects better on me because I'm not as much of a slob. But but I see I see things that need to have be done that need to get cleaned up, and I and I see that, and I know what ha where Jerry doesn't really see it so much, you know. So if it's if it's not his job to do it, he he doesn't do it just because he does he doesn't see it. Is, so is that what you meant by you're the boss? I mean, you you set out the chores. Um. Not really. I mean, because I mean, I mean, that's that's equitable, too. I mean, I think it's just she's a lot more logical than me. You know, my my uh, attachment to any kind of things being logical. Uh, you know, I, I don't really deal in that kind of realm. Hmm. You know, uh, I'm more flighty and. Uh, you know. Yeah, I think it's just, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, like, a guy would be the one that would have to say, like, okay, like, here's all the chores that need to get done. And, like, really, this, this is what has to happen. Like, what do you want to do? Like, you know, I'll do this and you'll do that. And, and, it, and just so there's a plan, right? But with me being the boss, I think that that's more related to I care more about it's a lot of things. I care more about most things than Jerry cares about. I mean, 
meaning that he's real flexible about stuff. Like we, it used to be, like we used to go out and eat a lot. You know, there was a time like when we always were just like going out to dinner and, and neither one of us were wanting to cook. So we went out to eat a lot and he would say, where do you, and, and he'd say, where do you want to go? And I, I'd never know where I wanted to go, but, and he didn't really care. He just wanted to eat because I wouldn't think about food like that. I, I'd be like, oh gosh, he's asking about food again, you know, like where we're going to eat, you know? And, it, and so I would, he would have to name all the places and I would, I would say no, you know, so he'd start naming restaurants and I would go, no, 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 no. Okay. Let's eat there because he didn't really care. He just wanted to go eat. And I would be more particular about where I'd want to eat. And I think that that kind of reflects a lot of how we do stuff. Well, also, you know, at the job, I had the same job for 40 years. And, you know, I was the boss a lot of the time there where it was always, Jerry, what are we going to do? You know, you know, so. Oh, when you came home, you didn't want to do that. I, don't, I didn't want to be. You know, I, I don't, you know, there's a lot more responsibility, you know. If you told me what to do, you know, like you say, if there was a, some, some plan for me to do something, then maybe I would feel like doing it. He likes me. He likes me to tell him what to do. It's just like with the Airbnb. I mean, he has all his jobs out there, but I had to tell him, this is how you make the bed. And I'd be really specific. Like, this is how you put the sheet on. And then the, this sheet has to be turned over and you have to pull it down this far. And I'd be like really specific because I like the Airbnb, like super neat and super clean and super perfect. And I'd have to show him exactly how to do it. But then once I've taught him, then he just does it, and he knows how to do it. I make a damn good bed. <laughs> he makes a damn good bed. I do not control him in the kitchen at all. He just he's on his own. He just cooks for us and does his own thing, and he's very creative. But, but you know, I just think a lot of things, like, you know, if the sink in the bathroom is dirty or the toilet is dirty or something's dusty, he won't ever see that. I'll have to say, could you clean the sink in the bathroom? Could you clean the toilet? Could you do that? Because that's, that's the kind of stuff that you don't really notice much on, on your own. Hmm. Do you have any grandkids live with you, or are you child-free now? did, <laughs> but we're child-free. How, <laughs> how many grandkids did you have living with you? Well, Emily, a good portion of her life, I mean... From what, 13. From 13 on, she basically lived with us. 19. 13 to 19, and then and then we had another granddaughter um, living with us for a couple years. Well, a year, and then a, a couple, anyway, a few, two or three years. And my daughter lived here for a while. And his daughter lived with us. I mean, we haven't had much time where we weren't living with one of our children, grandchildren, or you know, great-grandchildren. Yeah, almost, almost never. Yeah. Like, really. But, um, now, because of COVID, nobody can come. <laughs> They're locked out. Well, we did have one in there. We did have we did have one even here, but it was she came with her mom, and they moved back from Texas, and she she did stay in our our bedroom for a few months. How many bedrooms do you have in your house? Three. Where did all the six kids sleep? Oh, we didn't live here. We, we moved here in 2013, 
and and we had well we had we had three granddaughters living here for a while in our house in this house and they they <laughs> we put them all in one bedroom because i have a craft room an extra bedroom and it's like you guys are all gonna share that front that front room because mostly there was two of them but then a third one moved in yeah we just made them all <laughs> we just made them all cram up in the front room it's like don't get too comfortable. Don't get, don't get, get your shit together and go away. Um, for, for some couples, money's an issue because one's a spender and one's a saver. How, how, how have you managed the investing, saving, money, spending category? She's in charge of the, 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 the money, you know. I mean, when, back in the day, we when we first got together, it was... She had her money and I had my money. Right. We still, uh, you know, I would give her so much of my paycheck every, you know, every month to pay, help pay for the rent or whatever like that. But, you know, when it comes to actually running the finances, you know, I mean, she's way smarter than me. Or more interested. More interested and, more, and smarter. I'm, I'm the spender and the saver. Hmm. I, I'm the one that does both. But at least know. you have a saver part. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I don't really buy anything except for, you know, a book or a CD or, or a drum. I mean, sometimes, I mean, I literally will like, like pull up the, our finances and the different accounts and, and everything and say, Hey Jerry, this is how much money we have, hmm. you know? what we have here this is what we have there you know and and he you know will go oh cool <laughs> but it's that's we ne we've never argued or fought over finances or like i said he he's really easygoing you know so it's it's kind of you know it's it's very easy for me just to kind of do my thing and he does his thing too i mean we just kind of mesh pretty easy together, mm -hmm. don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you believed in karma, what would you say karmically brought you together and what you've learned from each other? Well, I told you that, you know, the my former marriage and relationship that, you know, I, I've, <laughs> I know that I could have made it if I would have stayed in with that lifestyle and the way things were for me. And I was, you know, I had to claw myself back into like the human race, basically, you know, I was, uh, and karmically that, you know, she saved me in some way from myself, you know, that I was looking to invent a new me, you know, to be more than what I had been. And, you know, so, you know, that was like my karma that I could have remained where I, you know, kept going down that deep, dark hole or, you know, pulled myself out of it. And through our, this relationship that there was a way for me to put my focus on something. And, you know, and like I said, uh, kind of reinvent myself. Sweet. Adrian, what about you? What have you learned from Jerry? 
Well, I think probably what I've learned the most or what my lesson, yeah, yeah, I guess my lesson has been um, is to be, to be kind, you know, to, um, um, whatever's going on, whether I'm getting, I mean, it's easy to be kind when you get what you want, right? But it's harder to be kind if you're, you know, angry and you're not getting what you want. <clears throat> and so I think that, I think that that's been, I mean, it is definitely, I mean, my, my practice and what I try to be um, aware of is just to, you know, <clears throat> let go of my attachment when things don't go my way and to be kind. Hmm. So what, what have you done differently from your three previous relationships where they, where you had kids with those three men? What have I done differently? Yeah. What have you well, learned from them? Well, I think you know, the first one when I was just so young and there just was so little awareness in that one, it would be hard for me to say I got bored in that relationship very, very quickly, you know, and um, just needed to get out of it and move on. I had a baby and I'm done, you know, because I was very young, too. I was 16 when I, you know, I ended up giving birth at 17, but um, I was I was very young. But the the other to the other two relationships, um, I, I think, and I think you just said, you said this to another question a while back, but maybe it was a similar question. I think I, I've, I'm more responsible, you know, um, self-responsibility be being aware of of my own self because I think I was I was so focused on not having my needs met in my other two relationships that um there was a lot of emotional immaturity there and I just like wanted I, you know neither of those relationships were good or healthy you know um and with Jerry, I think he just has shown up for me, like, so much, you know, just shown up and is there for me, you know, um, and is committed. I think it's that commitment to, to, like, be responsible himself and be emotionally mature and, and, and show up for the relationship. I think um, that has, um, you know allowed me to just um, well, be responsible myself and to be committed to being a better person and to being a, a kind person. So you've been kind of foundational for each other, but in a way that creates more space. It's interesting. So it's, it's both grounding but expansive. Yeah. Yeah, like supporting each other um, as individuals, like just really allowing each other just to be who we are and um but we really like each other i think that that besides you know we're in, we love each other but we really you know like each other and appreciate each other and we like being loved too i mean it's kind of like that because we're we're really 
very joined at the hip. As, as, as much as we're individuals and can go off and do our thing and have our own thing, we're also like, we just, we like being together. Like the way we're sitting now, like on top of each other. Like uh-huh. we do this all the time. This is this is just how we kind of live a lot, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how much longer are you going to keep on working? Where do you see yourself, say, 10 years from now? I'm a retired person, you know, except for, like I said, we have the Airbnb business going. So, you know. Yeah, I'm... Yeah, well, you, you're you're way busier than me, you know, right now, and all my gigs have dried up, and we're not rehearsing, and you know, when I retired, that was my my thing. It's like I'm just gonna play music now, and I was in four or five different bands and playing this gig and that gig, and you know, constantly, and then the COVID thing hit, and you know, so yeah, that's been that's been sad and and hard on you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 I'm four years younger than him, and so you, know, you retired a couple years ago, right? Or two two, years. two and a half years two ago. Half years. He retired two and a half years ago. I actually retired from Butte after being there 21 years. I retired in June, um, but I was always there part time, right? I'd work 24 hours a week, and I retired in June, but I have my private practice. So we have two Airbnbs. That we can still take time off anytime we want from them, right? We can just close it down and travel and do what we want. So, which which we do, but um, they're open a lot and it's good income and it keeps us really really busy. Even during COVID. Yeah. Well. <clears throat> yeah. We dried up for a month, and then it opened back up and. Oh wow. I mean, in the fight, you know the yeah. Yeah, because people come, I mean, I've even had, you know, you have people coming for COVID, working, doing different things, and people coming for the fires, you know, and there's just been a lot of reason for people. I mean, and now people aren't flying, so they're traveling through from Portland to L.A. and staying because they're driving instead of flying. So, yeah. Yeah, so they're, they're, we're still very busy. Oh, good. What, with the Airbnbs. What, um, are there, like, themes in terms of what your clients come to you for? What It seems like people kind of attract a set of, like, they yeah. deal with anxiety or depression or something. What do you tend to attract in, in clients? Se- sexuality and communication. You know, I mean, probably, probably sexuality. I mean, I also... I work with a lot of people with alternative relationship styles. So a lot of polyamorous people, you know, come to me because, you know, I have experience with that and a lot of therapists don't, you know, so I have clients, you know, when I was seeing, cause everything's on zoom now, but when I was seeing clients, so I can see clients from anywhere now, but I'd have clients come from Reading and Sacramento, you know, to Chico then they would drive here to see me just because they couldn't find therapists, you know, that knew anything about that. And I've had a lot of, lot of transgender clients and a lot of um, LGBTQ. So, so a lot of, you know, folks that are dealing with, you know, alternative relationship issues or, you know, just transgender issues, you know, that come up 
and I and I have worked with quite a few um, transgender people. But um, as far as other individuals and couple is sexuality mostly, and then that even if they don't know it, it comes to um, either either sex in the relationship or people just having sexual difficulties in and of it. And there might even be single people, you know, that, that have a lot of issues that they want to deal with. But with couples and sex, again, that ends up being more communication than anything else. Do you find that couples who think they have lost interest in each other sexually, it's like bored, not interested, want, want to not have sex with you ever again can you do you find that can be rekindled sometime um well yeah Ben. i think it's rekindling the intimacy as i mentioned getting them to communicate but a lot a lot of times you know what what i found i mean probably the most common thing i see with couples um with that is that um women stop um being physically affectionate with their husbands, like they stop touching them at all. They don't want to kiss. They don't want to, they just kind of keep them at arm's length because um, they feel pressured into having sex. And it's kind of like that. If I give them an inch, he'll want a mile. And so they don't want to encourage them, even though they would love to hug and kiss their husbands and, and, and have more physical affection and closeness. They're afraid to, so they've gotten into this pattern oh. of, you know, keeping them away because if they let them in, then they're kind of sex-starved. But the men really, when you come right down to it, they're more affection-starved than anything when it comes right down to it. So, you, you know, I'll talk to them about, you know, letting the wife be the initiator for sex and just, you know, backing off that and, and, and like, let let her open up, you know, to her partner for affection, you know, without getting grabby to always want more. And so then if they're the ones that are in charge, women are generally more, more willing and open to having sex. Because what, what I find is a lot of women, even though they're not feeling a really strong desire to have sex with their partners, they want to have sex with them because they love them and they want them to be happy. Right. But if the guy's grabbing at her and mad, like men get mad, like it's their wife's duty to have sex with them. And you kind of have to nip that in the bud because it's like, you know, She's never going to have sex with you if you are demanding it and getting and getting mad, right? Because you're not getting it, and so it's just working with those. You know, I I always am telling men, you know, it's it's a beautiful thing. You love your wife. You're attracted to her. You want to have sex with her. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. That is a beautiful thing. It's a good thing, but she doesn't owe you sex. <laughs> you know, so you have to. You know, it's just like changing the way they think about it mm. and, and and allowing the women to open up. And again, sometimes it's the man, the, the woman that wants more and the man's closed down because it happens like that, too. But um, yeah, but it's communication. And when they still love each other, like if they start listening, they really start listening to their partner. They start liking them more and feeling more kind hearted. And so... Yeah, comes back to that 
communication. I, I remember Masters and Johnson technique was don't have sex, sex, just like give back rubs and touch and explore without allowing yourself to go into intercourse mode. Sensei focus. Sensei focus. I have a lot of couples do sensei focus. Yeah. Because a lot of times, you know, sometimes it's just that, you know, men have a really lousy technique and they don't please their wives and they're not getting turned on and there's no floor foreplay. And so these women are completely dried up because their partners don't know how to touch them. So the sensate focus is really good for that. Do you find that those men are willing to learn? Yeah, I, almost all of them are. I guess if they come to you, that's, that's it kind of selects for someone who's willing to learn. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of a lot of boys learn about sex, like masturbation contests with other boys who can ejaculate the fastest kind of thing. It's the opposite of what you need to have be a good partner. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. So if you were going to, last question, give advice to um, a young couple, same sex, different sex, trans, whatever, who wants to make, they don't want to get divorced. What, what would you, what advice would you give them in a nutshell? Well, try to stay friends. You know, the friendship is as important in a marriage as, uh, you know, and communicating with each other, you know, having fun with each other, making that a point you know, keeping the romance alive in some way. Uh, for me, you know, it's like, you know, to bring flowers or make sure, you, you know, you have a card for the, an occasion, whatever that might be, to, you know, to show your appreciation to the person, you know, that you appreciate them and not taking them for granted. You know, I think that's important. Never take that person for granted. Mm. Yeah, I'd say that was pretty important. Yeah, and the friendship. I, 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 I'd say the same thing, you know. Keep the friendship alive. Go back to the friendship. You know, it's like what made you fall in love with this person? What did you like about them? You know, and because generally most couples have a friendship in the beginning, you know. And so it's getting, getting back to that. You get all caught up in all the mundane crazy issues of life and you know all the ways whatever it is that you want you know you're not getting it and kind of that goes to the wayside so keep the friendship alive and and yeah don't take each other for granted for sure all righty 